Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today, we get to speak with Nick Loper. He helps people earn money outside of their day job. He is the chief side hustler. I guess that is the CSH at SideHustleNation.com and the host of the award-winning Side Hustle Show podcast. He loves deconstructing the tactics and strategies behind building extra income streams. Perfect for the show today. Nick, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we are all about side hustles, um, main hustles, side hustles, upside down hustles. I mean, it's great, but we, as you know, because we focus on lifestyle and work-life balance, we don't want it to be all about the hustle. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, your business, and maybe your philosophy on the hustle. Yeah, you bet. So it actually comes from an old uh, baseball coach of mine who said, look, you're going to have bad days at the plate. You're going to have bad days in the field, but hustle never slumps. It's like this one element of your game that you always have control over. And that was your amount of effort that you put in. And I was like, okay, that, that was something that, that really stuck with me as an impressionable 12-year-old or however long ago this was. And so Side Hustle Nation is about controlling what you can control, relying on one source of income, relying on just your day job. I think in today's age, kind of a fragile way to live in a lot of ways. So control what you can control, use your free time more effectively to hopefully build up some extra income streams. So you see putting all of your eggs in one basket would be just having one job and that's your employer and that's all you do for a living and your entire income stream is reliant on this one job. And so you're against that, right? It works for some people, but for a lot of people, it does not. Like I'm thinking like my dad, for example, worked same company, like his whole career. My wife even has been at the same company for 14, 15 years. He works for some people, but you're just, you're one layoff away. And granted, in both their cases, they were able to build some margin in their lives, right? Live beneath their means, have some savings cushion. And so like, if that, you know, two weeks notice or less, like on the uh, employer side, that pink slip notice comes, you're prepared for that. Where a lot of people are like, they kind of bank on that paycheck being there next week, next month. And when it doesn't happen, God forbid, then they're kind of in this really difficult place. And there's some data to show that, I forget even what it is, but something scarily high that, you know, maybe two thirds of American families don't have a thousand dollars in a savings account or something like that. And it's just, it makes me, it makes me nervous for them. Like it's very fragile. And so it's like, okay, if you don't have control over that day job being there next month, and hope, hopefully it is, but trying to build a little bit of margin in your life, whether that's through a side hustle or whether that's through earning, improving your career odds and reducing expenses, lots of different ways to tackle it. But there's only uh, historically, you know, so much you can cut on the expense side. So that's when we turn to the extra, extra income side. So what is your own sort of structure right now? Do you have one job, two jobs, three jobs? What do you do as, as the way you make a living right now? Right now, my main focus is the Side Hustle Nation 
uh, blog and podcast. Underneath that, there are kind of three main pillars of the revenue stool. The first is sponsorships on the podcast. The second being affiliate offers through the website and email list. And then the third leg of the stool, which admittedly is a little uh, a little shorter than it has been in the past, is the uh, my own experiments. And in the past, this has been uh, freelancing, selling on Amazon, selling on eBay, selling digital products over on these different marketplaces, those types of little side hustle experiments. But really, the focus has been on the on the blog and podcast lately. And then the third, or maybe the fourth element, has been investments. And over the last five or six years. I've been trying to stack up what I'll call my cash flow portfolio, buying dividend stocks, buying real estate investment trusts, trying to earn some truly passive income where it's like, okay, if I can earn a dollar today, how do I get paid over and over again from work that I did once? And it's been stacking up that uh, truly passive uh, income portfolio. And what percentage of people do you think actually sit down and put together a strategy like, like you've done? on what to do so they can diversify their income and build maybe more of a passive income base as well um, to supplement whatever they're doing that's more of an active income. Do you think that that's rare? Do you think that more and more people are doing that today? Are we talking like 1% of folks think of doing this or is it more like 50%? You know, what do you think? Oh, the data suggests that more people have a side hustle than at any previous point in history, which I think is you know, it's positive and negative, right? Because some people are tackling it from this, you know, the proactive side, like, oh, I have this extra time in my day. I have the flexibility and the ability to go out and start this business, start something else in my spare time. But then on the other hand, you know, there's people tackling it from the the reactive side. Well, I got to make rent next month. I just lost my job. The big three expenses of, you know, housing, education, healthcare have gone through the roof. And so it's like, well, how do I combat that with, uh, you know, some real wage increases? People are tackling it from both sides. Hopefully shows like yours and like mine are impacting people and kind of um, spreading the gospel of uh, a lower risk brand of entrepreneurship to, um, to get more people thinking about this stuff. And if someone comes to you and says, Nick, I want to be a blogger and a podcaster. I want to get started. Never done it before in my life. What would you recommend that they do to either determine if that's really the right path for them? And also if it is to take that first step. Oh, this is so cool. I am still bullish on uh, podcasting, probably more so than blogging out of the gate. Like blogging has become very much a game of SEO and domain authority and creating the best article resources uh, on the internet, because that's what Google wants to show at the top of the results. The days of starting a personal blog and expecting people to follow along because you just have such a winning personality, I think that's kind of an uphill battle and social media has kind of taken the place of, of a lot of that type of written content. And that's where I started. Like I fell in love with blogging as this creative outlet, you know, writing about our most recent vacation and rants about current events and you know some marketing stuff sprinkled in because that's what was going on in my life. But there was no coherent message. There was no reason for anybody to follow along with this thing. The podcasting, I still do like. It is uh, more competitive than ever, but it's also, I think, a bigger... Uh, the pie is bigger than ever in terms of the potential listeners that you can reach and the power that you can have because you're going to have... If somebody spends... 30, 40 minutes with you in their earbuds and they do that week after week. That's a really powerful 
relationship to have with somebody. And I, you probably have had this experience as well. People come up to you at a conference or something. They're like, I feel like I know you. I listen to you all the time. And it's like, it may be somebody you never met. You never even knew were tuning in, like this silent majority of listeners, but they have this relationship with you through, uh, through your podcast. And the other channel that I think is probably worth mentioning and, and certainly not overlooking is YouTube because YouTube has this search engine element that blogging does where, okay, I can, I can be discovered by titling my videos in a, uh, in an intentional way to capture search traffic, but it also has this like viral wild card that podcasting doesn't necessarily have. It's like, you get a video that hits that shows up in the suggested searches that comes up in the play next, uh, queue list. All of a sudden you can kind of punch above your weight class and reach a much bigger audience than the number of subscribers that you might have. Um, so I would, would consider those two uh, content production angles uh, first and foremost. Well, during the COVID lockdown, anecdotally, apparently, all of the microphones that most entry-level podcasters buy were like sold out. And people were saying, this is either because everyone's doing Zoom school and Zoom meetings for work and they needed a microphone or yeah. everybody's starting a podcast during lockdown. <laughs> Which do you think it was? <laughs> I think there was just a rush on all sorts of home office equipment. I remember my, like, I was trying to build an affiliate link for the uh, the webcam that I have, have used and recommended for years and years. And it's normally like a 60 or $70 Logitech webcam. But early on in the pandemic, it was like $230, just supply and demand. Like we didn't, they were, they were just sold out everywhere and people were trying to flip them and do all sorts of crazy stuff. So I think it was a factor of just a rush, a rush of orders uh, all at once. But yes, the um, I think more people did start podcasts. Um, the thing to consider is, okay, what's in it for me? What's in it for the listener? Like, what are they going to get in exchange for tuning in? Is it, you know, are you going to try and play the entertainment card? Or are you going to try and play the helpful card? Somebody gave this nugget of wisdom to me a long time ago at an event. And so people are all really only ever online for one of two reasons, and it's to be entertained or to solve a problem. And, you know, that's Facebook and Google in a nutshell, right? If I want to be entertained, I'm headed on to Facebook, see what my friends are up to. And if I'm going to solve a problem, I'm heading to Google. And I think as a potential podcaster, as a side hustler, I think it's a lot easier to play in the problem space. If I can make somebody's pain go away, if I can help them solve some problem that they have, that's a lot easier than trying to compete in the entertainment space because then you're up against ESPN and HBO and all these really high budget, high production types of shows. And let's not forget cat videos. You'd be up against cat videos. There is plenty of that going around too. <laughs> so uh, someone did come to you and they said, okay, well, maybe the podcast blogging thing isn't really for me. What else could I do that would be a great side hustle that I can incorporate into maybe what I'm already doing is my day job. I'm not ready to leave yet. I don't want to leave corporate America 100%. Um, I'm just not ready, but what else could I start doing to diversify the ways that I make an income? So this, I would consider three main business models, you know, sell a product, sell a service, and then this more amorphous audience-based business, this content-based business that we've been talking about. So the first two are very ripe for people getting started, the, the products and services. On the service side, it could be as simple as sticking your flag in the sand and saying, I am a freelancer available for hire. I do virtual administrative work. I do Pinterest management. I do graphic design. I do book editing. 
even in the offline world, I do lawn maintenance. I do pet waste removal. We had a gal on the podcast who had started this pet waste removal company, Krupen's Poopin Scoopin. Her last name was Krupen. And it was, she had like 80 something recurring weekly customers for this service. And it came from a pain point in her own life out there in her backyard, picking up after her dog, thinking this is not amazing, but if it's a pain point for me, it might be a pain point for other people as well. And so sure enough, she did some Google research around, found that there were other companies in the area uh, offering this service, which gave her the confidence like, well, there must be some demand if the other companies are doing it. And so she she was off to the races, got a bunch of customers through Facebook groups, local Facebook groups. And that was uh, a really inspiring one. So that's the service-based side. The drawback to that is it's, it's still time for money in some ways, and you can graduate from that. So Erica with Krupen's Poopin Scoopin, for example, has now hired subcontractors to manage parts of her route. And she's kind of stepped into the more marketing and administrative role, kind of playing the the role of business owner rather than business doer or technician, right? It's like trying to say, I have a, I have a dog walking company versus I walk dogs on the side, uh, shifting into that mindset. And then on the product side, where a lot of people get started is just decluttering the house, like getting rid of the stuff that's been collecting dust in the attic, in the closet, in the garage, selling that on Facebook Marketplace, on eBay. Like, so we just we just moved uh, from California to Washington and there was a lot of Facebook Marketplace happening in our house. Come and get this, you know, I'll take all offers kind of stuff. Uh, graduating from that, maybe to sourcing stuff from your friends and neighbors. Maybe you set up a consignment deal with them. Like, oh, I'll sell this stuff for you because it's a giant pain, but I've got a process in place. And I'll give you, I'll charge a fee for whatever the sales price ends up being. It could be sourcing from, you know, local flea markets, garage sales, thrift stores, all that is still very much viable. And it's surprising that, you know, there's there's still profit to be found in some of these aisles, but yeah, there very much is. And then the other angle that my wife and I have, have tried here on the product side is what I'll call like hybrid products, where it's a physical product but you don't carry any inventory. It's like a print-on-demand or a drop-shipping uh, type of product. And so through platforms like Redbubble, through platforms like Merch by Amazon, you just upload your design. Amazon prints, ships, fulfills this thing on your behalf. It's been a really you know, small scale for, for the sake of disclosure. I think our best month was like 500 bucks, but it's totally hands-off once you come up with this design. So that's a couple of ways to get started on the product side. Yes. And on uh, this podcast on Lifestyle Solopreneur, we did feature a woman, Elaine Haney, and that is what she does. Merch by Amazon, uploads a couple of t-shirt designs every morning and um, has built a really successful business that really just requires maybe an hour a day or so of her input. And um, that's exactly what it is. It's that hybrid model. So I don't know, maybe she's been a guest on your podcast or she should be a guest on your podcast and uh, listeners should go back. It's a great throwback episode. Um, to find Elaine Haney. So I I want to know what do you envision for the future of your business? Like where are you going from here? Do you want additional side hustles? Do you want to pare it down? Do you want to just grow what you have? What are your big goals in the next few years? I never have a great answer for this. I'm bad at the forward planning and, and the big picture goals. I feel very fortunate in a lot of ways to have you know kind of won the game in a sense where I get to work on projects that I love, that are challenging, that are interesting, that help people. 
And if I get to keep doing that for the foreseeable future and it continues to be fun, challenging, rewarding, I'm really happy to be able to do that. For most of the last year and a half, I was kind of down to working a couple days a week plus toddler nap times. And the business didn't grow as fast as it had in the past. And it was somewhat it's somewhat frustrating. I know as as entrepreneurs, we can kind of like the to-do list is never done. And so that can cause some internal strife and anxiety. But it was also kind of rewarding to have that flexibility to be like, you know what? It's okay. You know, it'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there next week. It'll be there next year. None of this stuff is all, all of my deadlines are self-imposed and it feels um uh, you know kind of rewarding to have have got things to that point. And what's your secret sauce to be able to do more in less time? Do you have any techniques or software, things that you love that you're using now that could be helpful to other people who are trying to maximize their free time by being more efficient in their work time? Well, I mean, lots of things. We can geek out on the productivity stuff for for a long time. Maybe that's the topic of, of another episode. A couple of things that have been helpful for me. Number one is kind of identifying my top three priorities for the next day, the night before, and then writing those down. So when I when, it, when work time starts, I don't have this like ramp up period of 15 minutes, half an hour, check email, check Facebook. I know exactly what to work on and in what order because yesterday Nick told me like, okay, here's here's what you need to do. And so I try and knock out at least one of those things before diving into reactive mode and trying to you know see what fires there may be uh, to put out. The other thing has been, and I'm still you know working on this, is creating the systems and processes for delegation. So I run a pretty lean team right now of kind of like specialist freelancers where there's a, a dedicated Pinterest person, there's a dedicated podcast summary person, there's a podcast editing service, there's like a general virtual assistant that helps with uh, you know weekly reporting, kind of other recurring tasks. And so what's been on my plate is to say, somebody gave me this uh, at another event, like she called it the rule of two. This is Erin Chase from $5 Dinners. She said, if you find yourself doing a task a second time and you can foresee yourself doing it a third, fourth, fifth time, like, okay, maybe it's time to document that process, write that down and, and get rid of it. Find somebody else on your team to make that their responsibility now. So that's something that has been kind of top of mind lately, especially after this move and being more or less offline for three or four weeks and seeing some stuff get handled pretty well and other stuff kind of pile up and and be this you know kind of mental burden on like ah oh, you know all these all these emails are just sitting around so trying to keep that in mind for future process documentation that's something that's uh, that's on the horizon for me and when you delegate more you become that freelancer's side hustle that's right <laughs> you create jobs which is great so uh how do people get in touch with you? You have your podcast. Tell us you know, how to find the podcast easily. Do you have a website people should go to? Because I'm sure that after listening to this episode, a lot of folks are going to want to follow you, listen to you, learn from you, and also learn from your guests. Yeah, of course. would love to have you tune into the Side Hustle Show. There's 460-something episodes to choose from. So there's a, a Greatest Hits playlist on Spotify. If you search Side Hustle Nation, I think it'll pop up or the Side Hustle Show. But SideHustleNation.com is the home base. If you are kind of on the lifestyle solopreneur sidelines, the Side Hustle sidelines, trying to figure out what options might be available to you, SideHustleNation.com slash ideas is my big list of potential money-making ideas. Hopefully get the creative juices flowing uh, over there. 
Well, Nick, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show and inspiring and fun. And I know a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, you know, I should have a side hustle idea list of my own. And they're going to go to your list to get ideas for things that they should add on to theirs. Uh, Because I agree with you. I'm kindred spirit here, same camp. I think people should diversify their income, not just for the reason we talked about jobs can disappear, layoffs can happen. I think, you know, companies can go out of business and, you know, you've lost your job, but also because I think it keeps life interesting to do more than one thing is very few people would want to go to a salad bar or place and just pick like one item on their plate. Mixing it up is fun. It adds spice to life. And that's one of the reasons that I think we really should experiment and try new things. You know, worst case, you try a side hustle, uh, you don't like it, and uh, you still have your other job or your other side hustles. So nothing in life really is permanent. Very few things are. So let's all experiment a little bit more. Um, Go follow Nick learn from his podcast, check out his page that has great ideas for different things you can do as a side hustle. And uh, let's all just keep moving forward together. Thanks, Nick, for being on the show today. You bet. Thank you. Guess what, lifestyle solopreneurs? If you don't yet have an online business earning you enough passive income to live the life of your dreams, I'd like to suggest you consider trying out Kajabi. Kajabi is an all-in-one solution where you can create and teach online courses, publish a paid newsletter, launch a free or paid podcast, process payments, build one-on-one coaching portals for your clients, and much, much more. I personally use Kajabi to power numerous successful and profitable online businesses. Lifestyle solopreneurs, there's a free trial of Kajabi waiting for you at this link, www.kfreetrial.com. You can try Kajabi for free, no obligation, by going to www.kfreetrial.com. Again, kfreetrial.com, and that K stands for Kajabi. Starting an online business helped me break free from that corporate grind, and I hope it does the same for you. You have nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and see you next time.